Okay, so we're in the middle of assessing Tsar B'makam Nazik. I'm going to go over the Gemara again just to refresh our memory. And then go back to the Rashi Tosus, the discussion we had in Rashi Tosus. So in the middle of determining the Machlikis Rebbe and Ben Azai, who holds that you can pay Tsar even B'makam Nazik. So the Gemara says as follows, two lines from the bottom, the last words in Peydalad Amad Beis, Inami, another way to explain this dispute, the Kuliyama Kfiyah, that everyone agrees that the word kviya in the pasuk kviya tachas kviya petach tachas patzach chabur tachas chaburah, that word kviya, being the ace be chaburah, being the last be chaburah mashma. Everyone agrees that this word has no inherent implication to whether or not there's a chaburah as well as the kviya. It could be that there's limited to a burn, or it's, there's a chaburah as well as the burn. There's no actual implication in the word, unlike the f- assumption of the first lishna. So if that's true, there's no implication to the word. The whole dispute is whether or not we hold of the concept of a klalu prat mulchakim. Like we spoke out last week, a klalu prat generally means that there's a principle being expressed, a general principle, after, immediately after that general principle is a detail, right? A smaller characteristic, a more defined characteristic. So generally we say that the general character that was stated after the general principle, that smaller detail, that uh, goes ahead and reveals in regards to the larger principle, to go ahead and modify and qualify what the larger principle is referring to. So for example, if it said, kviya tachas kviya, chabura tachas chabura, so that everyone would agree that the chabura is coming and qualifying which type of kviya, tell us that kviya means this general category, whether it has a chabura or not, and now that immediately following the word kviya is the word chabura that will come ahead and qualify that kviya is limited to the type of kviya that has a chabura as well. That was if they were juxtaposed. This concept is a klaluprat mulchakim. So when there's some kind of separation between this general principle, this general category, and a more specific detail, so now does that still qualify? Is that tantamount to a klaluprat or not? Now in our case, we have the word kviya tachas kviya, which is our general principle. Then we have the, the Pasuk, Petza Tachas Patza, wound for wound. Now that separates between the Kviya Tachas Kviya and the following statement of Chabura Tachas Chabura. So that's called a Klaluprat Mulchakim, because part of the Pasuk, the Kviya Tachas Kviya, the general principle, is disconnected, separated from Chabura Tachas Chabura, the Prat. So that still qualifies a Klaluprat. If you say yes, then you hold of the principle of Klaluprat Mulchakim. Even though the distance is separated by Petzatachas Patza, nonetheless it's a Kalaprat. Whereas if you don't hold of that concept, then it's not a Kalaprat. So that's what the Gemara is proposing is the point of dissension here. That Rebbe Savar ain't done in a Sebu Kalaprat. That according to Rebbe, since there's a separation of Petzatachas Patza, therefore this doesn't qualify as a regular Kalaprat. Therefore, Kviya retains its normative status as meaning both. Chabura and not Chabura, and you're always going to be liable, even Shalubah Makam Nezek. Whereas Ben Azai Salvar, Rabbi Ben Azai is of the other opinion that even though there's a separation between these two parts of the Pasuk, nonetheless that qualifies as a Klaluprat, and therefore, and therefore we're going to go ahead and hold you liable. Now, says the Gemara, Vechitema Chabura Lerebi Lamali. So now, what's that mean? 
According to Ben Azai, the fact that Torah says Chabura Tachas Chabura makes a lot of sense. Because, inasmuch as he is extrapolating a Klaloprat even when the Meruchokim, so the Pasuk Chabura is going ahead and modifying that Kviya is limited to a Kviya Shiyeshbo Chabura. But according to Ben Azai, I'm sorry, according to Rebbe, that Rebbe is of the opinion that it's not a Klaloprat. So Kviya Tachas Kviya is teaching us a burn, Yochaim Nezek. Petatachas Patsa is telling me the Chiv Nezek in general. What's Chabura Tachas Chabura teaching me? Says the Gemara, the Damim Yaseirim, is coming to teach me an additional payment. An additional payment? Unbelievable. Great. Wonderful. What's that additional payment? What would I have thought I'm exempt from? These are all very important questions, and each one of these Shainim comes to address this differently. So Rashi says, the Damim Yaseirim, what's it mean? What's this additional payment you're coming to pay? Says Rashi, the Damim Yaseirim, the Ilo Ksiv El Kviya If it only wrote a burn for a burn, I would have thought irrelevant of whether there's a Chabura or not. Nonetheless, I pay the value of the Kviya. Now, Rashi didn't tell us what the Kviya means. My assumption is, is inasmuch as we're discussing Tsar, the whole Sugi is a Sugi of Tsar, I would assume that the payment that Rashi is referring to is a payment of Tsar. So we would have thought that when you have a payment of Tsar, all you would have done is paid tsar. Aval tarti lemishalim. You wouldn't pay too. Now, what's the other payment here? The other payment, I assume, is nezek, right? We have, what do we have? In a place of tsar, so even though it has a chabur as well, meaning there's tashlumi nezek, when I'm paying tsar, I would have thought that I'm only paying tsar, not nezek. Comes along the Torah and says Chabura to teach me that don't think you're only paying Tsar, you're also paying Nezek. That's the words of Rashi. Now the understanding of Rashi is catastrophic. First of all, why in the world would we think that just because you're paying Tsar, you're exempt from Nezek? What's the logic there? These are all part of Tashlume Nezek. We know this, right? Tsar, the fact of paying Tsar is a Chiddush by Nizke Adam. But tash, uh, nezek for any hefsid, you always pay, right? There's tashlumi nezek for nizkei mamon. There's tashlumi nezek is the general category of what the chamisha dvarim are. They're all parts and parcel of tashlumi nezek. So how could it be that a subcategory of tashlumi nezek we would think exempts you from tashlumi nezek itself? Unbelievable. That's question number one. Question number two is that Bishlami told me, I would understand if he told me, that if you paid Tashlumi Nezek, we would have a Havamina, that you're exempt from Tashlumi Tsar, like we saw Rashi and Chumash, because Rashi and Chumash said, once I gave Dmeyad, I might think that I have the ability to do whatever I want with it. Kamash Malan, that nonetheless there's something called Tashlumi Tsar. Fine, Chiddush. But we heard the Havamina, the Havamina was, I gave Dmeyad, the hand is mine, I could do as I please. But according to this Rashi, I'm saying just the opposite. I never gave you money for the hand. The hand I damaged, I never gave you money. And I would think that if I paid you money for the tsar, you might be exempt from paying nezek? Why is it even logical? That, what's the havamina there? The, the, there's no demeyad. So first I'm asking, in general, it's a, it's a subcategory of, all of, the, of the nezek itself, but what happened to the nezek? Now I'm asking that the nezek itself, according to Rashi, is more of a, an, an overarching payment. That once I pay Nezek, I gave to Meyad, the hand becomes mine. 
And nonetheless, there's still a Chiddush, that any additional pain which I caused, I have to pay. Fine. But that we've already proven, we've expressed that. That's Rashi Chumash, that we've proved that already in the Gemara. But how is it? What's the Hava Amina? How could we ever think that because I paid Sar, I still don't have to pay Dmeyad? I took his hand. Where do I, where's the, I, I took a financial, he incurred a financial loss. I have to pay that back. Unbelievable. So this, we're going to try to explain this Rashi today. But before we explain Rashi, we want to see Tosis, because Tosis goes ahead and attacks Rashi as well. So Tosis says as follows, and Tosis, Pirish B'Kunshis, Rashi explained, If the Torah only wrote Kviya, and it didn't make Chabura, Hava, Mina, I would have thought of Hilo Eisei Chabura, even if there was a Nezek, the Mekviya Hud Meshalim, he would pay the value of the burn, but he wouldn't pay both of them. He wouldn't pay both of them. Kamash Malon de Mishalim Tervayhu. Therefore, it comes along with Torah says Chabor that I pay both. Now, why do I pay both? Tsar b'makam nezek. Tsar b'makam nezek. Now, the implication of the word Tsar b'makam nezek means that a vadam paying nezek, just there's a chiddush I'm also paying tsar. Now, we understood Rashi not like that. We understood the basic language of Rashi saying to make fear the chiddush was a chiddush in tsar. That's number one. So, Tosis saying Sarbamakam Nezek means that really you're paying Nezek, but we're going to throw on this additional payment of Tsar, also include, besides that of the Nezek. So, number one, we learned Rashi not like Tosis, and Rashi himself is not explicit. That's in Tosis's statement in Rashi. Now, Tosis has two questions here. Ve'in near the Ri, this doesn't seem to be the explanation according to the Ri. Why? We already know this din. It's a pasuk. Petzatachas patsa tells me I paid tsar even by makam nezik. So why do I need another drasha of chabura to teach me tsar by makam nezik? I already know tsar by makam nezik from petzatachas patsa. I don't need chabura. Void. And furthermore, Why would I ever say that tsar exempts someone from nezik and ripui? Now, this question is also very difficult. Tosis, you just told me Rashi explained that I'm paying Tsar Bamakam Nezek. That means that Nezek was the assumed one and Tsar is the Chiddush. But here, Tosis is asking, what's the Hava meaning to say that paying Tsar would exempt you from Nezek? Meaning to say that in the question, Tosis is asking our question. Rashi, why would you say Tsar ever exempts you from Nezek? According to you, Tosis, that never happened. You said that Nezek might exempt you from Tsar. So Tosis here is not understandable. He seems to contradict himself from his initial explanation of Shittas Rashi to the answer that he gives, to the questions, I'm sorry, that he says on Rashi's stance. Now in order to address this, I brought you a marshal. The marshal goes ahead and changes the girsa in Tosis. Let's see the marshal together. Marshal says as follows. Tosis de Ramaschal Adamim Yaseirim Meaning he's quoting that statement when, within Rashi's explanation, where he says that when you pay Tarvayu, you pay both of them. What does that mean, Tarvayu? His explanation of Rashi is Tsar b'makam nezek, meaning nezek is the assumed and Tsar is the chiddush. Says the Marashah, Rashi didn't say this, first of all. And says the Marashah, it seems like Rashi actually intended the opposite. Kamash Malon, we come to learn. The Mishalim Tavayu, we pay both of them. Nezek b'makam tsar. We actually pay Nezek in the circumstance where you're also paying tsar. You're already paying tsar. 
And if the Torah only wrote Kviyah, that would have meant that would have meant So number one, from the onset, Tisvis change the Marasham sorry changes the gears of Tisvis. Don't read Tsar Bamakam Nezek. Rather you should read Nezek Bamakam Tsar. And why? Because that's his understanding of Rashi. He doesn't he doesn't bring a proof to it. He doesn't tell us what's difficult about it. He comes and says that what seems to him like the read of Rashi. Now he says, Gami now he wants to a proof. What's our proof? From the second question that Tissus asks on Rashi's stance, it says that what's the Hava Amina that we would have thought that Tsar exempted you from Nezek? From there we can see, we can infer that Tissus really understood that Tsar was the main payment here and not Nezek. So according to the Marshal, the really, he understood, Tissus understood Rashi's stance as being that the main payment is Tsar and the secondary payment is Nezek. That just says two questions. Number one is that we already have a pasuk for Tzar B'makam Nezek. Where is that? That is Petzatachas Patzo. Secondly, why would the Svar say that Tzar exempts you? Because of these two questions, this has his own explanation. Venira the Ri, the Domim Yaseirim, there's an additional payment. What's that additional payment? Shemeshalim B'Tzar Sheyesh B'Rishim, Yosemi B'Tzar Sheyin B'Rishim. That you pay more money for tsar, when that tsar has a ration, when there's a permanent scarring, as opposed to a tsar that doesn't have a ration, that doesn't, there's no permanent scarring, meaning to say, is making a distinction. The Dhamim Yasserim teaches me when there is a nezek, the tsar, you pay more money for tsar. Now, why is that? Comes along to this and says, I'm going to tell you what also. You th- might think that the tsar. When there is a Roshim, is more significant to Tsar when there was no Roshim. So this is not true. They're actually equivalent. The amount of the degree of Tsar you can experience for a wound that has no scarring can be the same as the wound that does have scarring. The scarring is not indicative to the degree of pain. So, I, so that's true. How can I pay more for the Roshim? He says, Mishalem Yosar, you pay more than the Fishim is Ganem He's embarrassed due to the Rishim. Embarrassed due to the Rishim. This is a Pella. Why is this a Pella? This is so unbelievable because we know from the Mishnah already there's a second, there's a, a, a separate payment called Boshas. Very good, you're embarrassed. I agree, you're embarrassed. But what does that embarrassment have to do with Tashlomay Tsar? There's a separate payment called Tashlomay Boshas. So I feel bad for you. You have a scar. You're going to have a scar the rest of your life. Agreed. But what does that have to do with Tashlum Sar? It doesn't hurt anymore. Tis has told me it doesn't hurt anymore. So the fact that you're embarrassed doesn't make it a more painful experience. The pain was the same degree of pain. I made it also an embarrassing experience. Very good. It's embarrassing. So put that in Tashlum Bushes. So this, this Tis was, is astonishing. Mamash astonishing. So now, if, you, if you're not sold on this question yet, I brought for you three different sources. The Tesis Yontif already in the Mishnayis also asks this question. The Tesis Yontif says, Vani Tama I'm astonished Tesis said this. Why? The, the pain that you feel because you're embarrassed, that emotional pain, is included within Boshas. 
Because if you're not paying for the pain of his embarrassment, then what in the world are you yes paying for when it comes to Boshas? So yes, the, the Tesis Yomtif, I don't understand what Tesis is saying. How could it be such a thing? Because of this, the Tesis Yomtif goes with a different pshat. He ends up saying like a, a Ramah that I brought to you at the end of this week's Marama Kemis and the Muka Yosef, a whole different explanation of what Dabim Yaseira means. But he couldn't, he couldn't put up with this this explanation in Tesis. I brought you also a Lechem Abirin. The Lechem Abirin was one of the G'dayli Achreinim. He says on this Tesis, I have one doubt when it comes to this. He's less dramatic than the Tesis Yantif. I have a doubt, one doubt left. He's paying for the embarrassment. He even calls it embarrassment here. He doesn't call it G'nai. He doesn't say G'nus. You're paying for the embarrassment because you made a scar. If that's true, so why is it saying that you're paying for Dami Yaseim for the Tsar? You're paying for Boshas. So the same questions being expressed by the Lechem Abirim. Again, the Lechem asking this question. The Birkas Avram. The Birkas Avram is a Magid Shir in Kol Torah in Yerushalayim. I put out a Sefer on, you know, most of Moshe Nazikim, half a Moed. So now he asks, he has the same question, but Tsaruch Ian, I don't understand. This is not included within Tsar. This is included within Boshas. He's embarrassed. And granted, there's no Chiv Boshas. According to the Rid the Shitasa, we're going to talk about this later on. But, this for sure is in Tsar. So, how in the world could you ever obligate this for to be? constitute Tsar more than it could be for Boshas. The G'dalei Acharinim are not explaining to us. They don't, they're lacking an understanding. The Mamish have no way to go here. So now, I want to try to address Tosfus. I don't have an answer for Tosfus at the end of the day. I'm going to try to lessen this question. But a good chat that I feel comfortable in, I don't have. Um, but let's do our best. Now, tangentially, before we go ahead and try to address this difficulty in Tesis, I just want to point out there is a Mahadura Basra here, and the Mahadura Basra is the son-in-law of the Marashah. He wrote a sefer called the Marashah Madura Basra, and most of it is just attacking his father-in-law's commentary. So I told the guys in Shir about this, they were upset, how could it be a son-in-law? I said, listen, if I wrote a sefer, and I have a son-in-law that writes a whole sefer attacking everything I said, it would make me the happiest person in the world. I'd be so thrilled with such a thing. You know, the Chazanish wrote commentary on two different Svarim that were already published. He wrote a commentary on the Mishnah Brura, attacking the Mishnah Brura's Psakim, and he wrote a commentary on Reb Chaim's Sefer on the Rambam, attacking different aspects of the Chidushim written in the Sefer. Now, the fact that he chose to attack these two Svarim shows you the incredible, incredible degree of reverence he had for them. Because if it was a, a safer that he didn't have any reverence for, so fine, I don't have to, you know, give credence to it whatsoever. I'll just ignore it. But here, everything he said is 100% truth. It's MS. It's, I, I value it. It's so important to Klai Yisrael. Just here and there, I want to point out different things I disagree with. That's already something. So the Mashah, the Medor Basar, the Salana, that wrote a safer to attack his pieces, first of all, it means that he was a tremendous Tamil Chacham. Secondly, it meant that he valued his father in law safer so much. So he attacked the Mashah here. He didn't say it outright, but he uh, said that someone made a mistake and tried to change it, the gears of Tesis. 
He said, it's not true, it's unnecessary. Really, you can keep it, that you mishalem tavayun nezek, tzar b'makam nezek, right? You pay even the tzar in a place of nezek. But what what's the what's the difficult on here? First of all, once we already have a pasuk of Petzatachas Pota telling me that I paid Tsar Bamakam Nezek, so then who cares Tsar Bamakam Nezek, Nezek Bamakam Tsar? I know they can have two coexisting Chiyuvim. So that's his first question. Why do I need a pasuk of Chabur to tell me that I could have a second coexisting Chiyuv? I already have it in the inverse. I already have Tsar Bamakam Nezek from Petzatachas Pota. That's his first question. Secondly, if we see that you paid Tsar Bamakam Nezek, so then, there you see that even though you're paying Nezek, nonetheless you're paying Tsar. So all the more so, in a place where you're paying Tsar, you should have to pay Nezek. What's that question? My assumption is the question is, based off this piece that we said, that once you already gave Dmeyad, and nonetheless you have to pay Tsar, in a place where you didn't even give Dmeyad yet, so obviously you have to pay for the main damages that you caused. So that would have the Shomodor Basra's understanding the two questions on Rashi. That being said, this is a big proof to our explanation. Shit Rashi, that Dmeyan means I gave back his hand. If, if that's the explanation, so then I understand that if you if you see that when you give Dmeyan, nonetheless you have to pay Tsar, if you didn't even give Dmeyan yet, you still have to pay for his hand, so obviously you have to do that still. But if it's just, you know, one of the five payments that has no inherent significance besides the fact that it's one of the things that Torah mandated that you have to pay back for. So then I don't know why there would be a kol shekane. According to us, it makes sense why there's a kol shekane. So either way, like the Marsha, the Medora Basra, those are Tis's questions on uh, Shittas Rashi. But at the end of the day, we have to come ahead and try to address, so what's, what's Tis's stance? Tis's is saying there's something here that you're paying more tzar because he's miskan and machmas number one. And secondly, Rashi. Rashi, you're telling me that I'm paying more, and I'm sorry, that I have a Havamina, that if I pay Tsar, I'm going to be exempt from Nezek. What's that Havamina? So now in order to address this question, I'm going to see a Tursus, the Tursus Mesechus Subas, Daflam and Tessam and Aleph, it's source 7 on the source sheet. It's talking about the Tsar, Chas Roshalm, if a person forced himself upon a lady. So one of the payments he has to take into account there is paying her for the pain that she endured. So the re discusses what goes into the equation when we're determining the amount of money has, that has to be given over for the tsar that he gave her. So it says to his listener, near the re, it seems to the re, the tsar that the pain that happens while a person's consummating a marriage, so when there's a desire to have that, there's no pain. It only comes afterwards. And now when it comes to Tsar of Chavala, that's only the pain that happens in the moment of the attack. But afterwards, all the lingering residual pain that happens after the fact, he's exempt from the Grama Ba'al Mahul. And therefore, that's only considered a Grama. Therefore, the Gemara is asking, what's the Tsar that the person the, who forced himself upon the girl, the, the Ma'anis, what's he chayiv to pay? What's he liable to pay? Since it only takes into account the, the tzara of the moment of the attack. So there, it's very, very clear from the Ri that if you're going to ask what type of tzara, when do we define the, the time period of tzara that the person goes through that we take into account when we pay tzara, it's only the tzara from when the person was uh, being attacked in actuality. 
Now, how is that relevant to us? Number one, we see Tsar is only for the moment of attack. Now, I want to remind you, we saw Tosis on Peydal Adaman Aleph. Peydal Adaman Aleph, we were having an interesting discussion. There was a case of Hau Chamra that they went to Rav Papa Bar Shmuel and they asked him, what do we pay? He said, Zilu Shmuelei Dalad Dvorim. So, Tosis said here, go pay Dalad Dvorim, Hayasavur the Adam Hezekai. He was assuming that an Adam heard him. That it was a person, therefore he's chayiv chamisha dvarim, even though that was never said. And that cotton, he assumed it was a cotton, I think, because the father came in to make the claim, not the victim himself. That cotton was so small, that was so big, I'm sorry, that you were able to embarrass him and he would be embarrassed. So he asked a question at the time what's it mean that he was so, he was old enough, he was mature enough that you could embarrass him and he would become embarrassed? It seems to be that you're only chayiv and boshes if the victim himself is embarrassed, able to be embarrassed. So he asked, very good, he's not embarrassed right now. He's not old enough right now. But let him be embarrassed later on. Let him be embarrassed later on. When he gets bigger, he grows up. So then he'll be embarrassed. So pay boshes for then. So we can prove from here that this concept of the ri, that the idea of boshes, I'm sorry, of tsar, is limited to the shas chavala, so I want to prove from this thesis that Boshas is also limited to the Shas Chavala. Meaning to say, Boshas that you're going to have later on, that Boshas you're not liable to pay for. It's only Boshas which is linked to the Chavala itself. So now, what's it have to do with anything? So now I want to go and say as follows. We saw before a Rambam. The Rambam was very interesting. The Rambam said that there's a din of mid beknas pater, both by tashlumei nezek and by tashlumei tsar, that which is not true when it came to shavus and ripui, shavus and ripui, even if you're mid in the meisach havala, nonetheless you're still going to have to pay ripui and shavus to the victim. Why? Because there's a chiyuve mamon, the chiyuve mamon, the chiyuve mamon. There's no din of mid beknas. Now, what was the din with Beishis? So we saw here the Rambam, Alpiru of Salavechik, that the Pshat is that inasmuch as the only way we knew what happened was because this assailant's admittance in Beistin, so the admittance in Beistin, in and of itself, was the Shas Busha. That was the Shah where he was Mevayesh, the victim, because there it's when it came to the forefront that I, the assailant, actually attacked this person and hurt him. So when the moment of the attack is becomes public knowledge, that's the moment where Boshe seems to be defined. So now, what does that mean? It sounds like, from that Rambam at least, that the principle of Boshe is that you're only paying for the embarrassment for the fact that this person damaged you. This assailant hurt you. In a, in a, in a, he was chival you. The fact that he overtook, overtook you, he was overpowered you, to the extent that he was able to hurt you, when that, that fact becoming public knowledge is what's tashlum boshas. So now, the fact that that's the qualification of tashlum boshas, and that tashlum boshas isn't a lingering pain, it's not something which is going on for the future, rather it's just caught up in the moment, the moment of the Maisa Chavala. So there, 
we could start to understand why the embarrassment, the embarrassment of the fact that you have a scar on your face isn't included with Tashlum Boshas. Now, does that yes explain to us why it's included with Tashlum Tsar? No. It doesn't explain that, but it explains to us, first of all, why it's not Tashlum Boshas. Now, to be honest, there's a rush. The rush is on Perakakonis. I brought it to you in Source 9. The rush would make what we just said a Machlokas Rishonim. First, what he does is he brings the re that we discussed already in Ksubis. The re that Sar is limited to the moment of the attack, but afterwards, Sar, which continues, that's not, he's not obligated to pay. But then he brings an opinion of Rabbeinu Shimshin, that according to Rabbeinu Shimshin, who was also one of the Balai Tesvis, according to him, not only do you pay for the Tsar of the attack itself, but you also pay for the Tsar that is residual and lingering from the attack. So the whole time that you're in pain due to that attack, that has to be compensated for. That has to be paid for based by the assailant. If that's true, I would assume that it's wood into the bushes. That the bushes is the same thing. The same way that we saw Tesis claiming that by bushes it's only bishas, the the shas the busha itself, bishas that chavala itself. So even if he gets older, we don't care if he's embarrassed later. It has to be what's embarrassing right now. So Rabbeinu Shimshin, I have no reason to believe differently, that what he would include the boshas that happens later also into Tashlomai boshas. So the fact that he has a scar and he's going to be embarrassed in the future from the scar because the scar shows that he was beaten up. So according to Rabbeinu Shimshin, I would assume that that would be included within boshas. Now that being said, it could be that Tosis on Peidalad Amad Aleph, the basic assumption is, it's the same Tosis on Peihem Aleph. That's true, so we could just say that our Tosis holds like the Ri. It could be. That could be also. But it's it's already, you know, it's it still doesn't answer the question. It makes the question less strong. Why is it why is it not Boshas? I can explain to you why it's not Boshas. Why is it yes, Tsar? It's still hard for me. And that really is the crux of the Birkas of Ram's Kasha. The crux says... Very good. Very good. We understand why there's not a chiva boshes according to the ri. The she does say because it's only the boshes of the shas chavala. The fact that he was beaten up. But continues the birkas avram. That doesn't mean that it's sar if it's not boshes. And how in the world would we know to obligate this to the tsar more than any other case of boshes or lingering pain which you're actually absolved from? So this this tosvus is a bit of a mystery to me. So that being said, I want to switch over to uh, to, to Rashi. In tosvus, we understand what we understand, we understand what we don't understand, but uh, Rashi, let's try to make some headway. So here I brought you an etziv, and etziv is a commentary on shas. And called Marimi Sade, and it says as follows: Atisus if you pay Rashi Zal, Atisus brings the opinion of Rashi. The Mishnah Tavayu Tzar B'Makom Nezek. He brings the Marsha Bar Fine. Now he brings Atisus's questions, and then he says because of that, Atisus has the whole Chiddush of the fact that there's a Nezek increases the Tzar. Now let's go back to Rashi that doesn't explain like Tisus. The time may come. And according to him, even a Rishim has a Nezek, the Avchesei, the Hainu, there's something called Avchesei Migufei. There's a value to having a scar 
even if there's no functional loss. Mefarish hachi. And now he explains as follows. That which we had to include a payment of tsar in a circumstance of nezek. Why is that? Because when it comes to nezek, there's a tashlum gadol. It's a large payment. You're paying demayad. It's a big payment. It's very expensive. Ben unless they dumb it, the person's priceless. Now you're paying for a whole limb. Pay for part of something priceless. It's a ton of money. And I would think that Tsar would be included within that payment of Nezek. We'll get back to that momentarily. That's not understandable. But since I'm paying so, something so big, I would think that I would also cover the Tsar as well. And if that's true, then maybe here is just the opposite. If the value of the damages was small. It was something less than the payment of tsar. Kagun reishim. Even though you pay for an afcha semigufe, even though you pay for a blemish on the skin, it can't be so much money. It's not a functional loss. Therefore, salka daitach de'inu mishalim el tsar. I might think that he only paid tsar. Kamash malon. Therefore, the Torah tells us, through the extra pasuk of chaburah, the Dhamim Yaseirim, that you pay two payments. You don't just pay Tsar, but you even pay for the Nezek of that Roshim. You even pay that small amount. So according to the Nitziv, the Havamina is you have two payments, Nezek and Tsar. So there you pay the bigger of the two. If the Nezek is bigger, it's an Afchasemi Kaspe, is a really big Nezek, you took off a whole limb, Kitas Yodoi, then I might think you only pay for the limb. And the Tsar is free. Kamash Malan, it's not true. Because you paid the bigger payment. Whereas when it comes to Tsar, let's say it was a Tsar of a Roshim, the Tsar is going to be much more expensive than the Roshim. You paid the big payment of Tsar, so that would also include the Roshim. Kamash Malan, it's not true, you pay twice. <coughs> now this is crazy. Let's say I have two debts. I take out a loan of $50,000 to the bank. And now I take out another loan of $100 from the bank. So in total, I took out $50,100 from the bank. Now, if I paid back my first loan at $50,000, can I say to the bank, you know what, I paid you back 50000 and that's everything. The bank's going to look at me and they say, what do you mean? You owe me another $100. Yeah, but I'll say, what? $100 in light of 50000 I paid you back the big payment. Put on a smile. What? They'll say, actually, we're taking you to court. I want my $100. So why is this any different? Why in the world is this any different? You owe two different chiyuvim. You owe chiyuv nezek, you owe chiyuv tsar. So why would it that you're paying only one? Question number one. Tangentially, or before that. So what I would say, how would you answer this? It's like this. At the end of the day, we said that nezek is a chiddush. Nezek ben chorin nesli damim. A person's priceless. So tashlumi nezek in a certain way, is an arbitrary payment. It's arbitrary. What do you mean? You're paying... You took a hand. The hand is priceless. There's no amount of money. The Gemara says a person would never take any amount of money for a limb. It's not happening. The hand is priceless. So that means it's an arbitrary payment. Now, Tsar, there was no financial loss. You lost something due to Tsar. There's, com- there's something to compensate? No. So the value given over for Tashlumi Tsar is also an arbitrary payment. Now, what happens when you have two arbitrary payments? I have an arbitrary payment 
for Nezek. I have an arbitrary payment for Tsar. So I could hear a Svara that there's no concept of paying two arbitrary payments. You're paying more of what? You're not chay of anything. The fact that you're giving money over is a chiddush. So now we say, you know, give the more expensive one. Whatever's more valuable, give that over. Fine. But now give more? Why am I giving more? What I gave you in the first place was meaningless. It was, it was a kuf. It was, it was no There was no logic to the fact that I gave you money for Nezek. You're right, I chopped your hand off. That's priceless. I can never do anything in the world for you. So I'm giving you money. Why? Not sure. The Torah said so. It doesn't make sense. I'm giving you a lot of money. Fine. But now I'm going to give you more money because it's Tsar. But the fact that you're getting money in the first place is a Chiddush. Now Tsar is also a Chiddush. It's nonsensical. It's arbitrary. So to give more of an arbitrary payment in the existence of a pre-existing arbitrary payment, that I could hear we wouldn't do. That could be the Pshat and it's Siv. When you have two arbitrary payments, each one of them, the fact they're giving money, doesn't have an explanation qua logic. It's not something which can be explained. It's not, it's not something which is sensical. That's why it's arbitrary, right? So now you're paying a huge arbitrary value. So you're paying a huge arbitrary value, so why add more? Anyways, the whole thing is arbitrary. And if the, we assess it a little less, so now you, I took something away from you? And it says No. So give the big arbitrary payment and include everything. Kamash Malon, Petzatachas Potza, that even though you're paying Nezek and it's huge fee and it's arbitrary, nonetheless, you pay a second arbitrary fee called Tsar. Fine. So Kamash Malon, Chabura, that even though you're paying a huge fee for Tsar, nonetheless, you're going to pay that small fee for the Nezek of a Roshim. That I could have heard. And therefore, it's not comparable. It's not comparable at all to our case of the bank. The bank, there's two actual monetary debts. Neither fee is arbitrary. The reason you owe 50000 is because you borrowed 50000 The reason you owe 100 is because you borrowed 100 So give it all back. It's not arbitrary. It actually makes a lot of sense. It's very logical. That would be my understanding of the Nitziv. The problem with the Nitziv is our explanation in Rashi. Our explanation of Rashi, based off Rashi and the Mishnah, the Rashi calls Tashlumi Nezek a Hefzid Momum. The Rashi in Chumash, who says there's a Havamina, that's something called the Meyad, that I purchased the hand, I gave you a monetary representative, it's mine. That payment of Nezek in no way, shape, or form is arbitrary. That's actually quite, quite literal. There's the Meyad. I bought it. I owned it. You had a Hefzid. You had a Hefzid moment. I gave it back. So if that's true, now we're a little bit stuck, right? Because in the end of the day, the end of the day, what happened? The mushal is, there's one arbitrary payment called Sar, and there's a debt. There's a debt. So now if I took out $50,000 from the bank, and now there's another arbitrary payment on top of that. If I gave back $50,000 to the bank, so now, is there a half a minute I don't have to pay the arbitrary payment? For sure I have to. Because even when I gave back the $50,000, let's say the arbitrary payment is less. I gave you back the $50,000, and now what? And now, I say I don't owe you anything? But the fact that you owed, there was a chiv moment for $50,000, reveals to us that you haven't paid the arbitrary payment. You gave absolutely nothing. I can prove to you you gave nothing. Because you owed me a chiv moment. You owed me, from a monetary, sensical perspective, X amount of money, and you only gave me back X. So therefore, where's the payment? Where do I see the payment of the arbitrary payment? Where's the payment for tsar? So, definitionally, you can only use the svara of the Nitziv with two arbitrary payments. But when there's one arbitrary payment and one very real payment, 
then it says Svar doesn't work. That's true. So let's go back to Rashi. How can we explain Rashi, who says that I would have thought you only paid Tsar, and that would include Tashlum Nezek, Kamash Milan, it's not true. Kashalan and Siv. Kashalan us, I'm sorry. Kashalan explanation. And the answer, I think, is as follows. The answer is like this. What's the concept of an arbitrary payment? The concept of an arbitrary payment is that I'm interested in money going from the hand of the attacker to the hand of the victim. Now, why am I interested in that? I'm interested in that because I want the attacker to lose. I'm not interested in compensating the victim because whatever the victim went through, is not comp- it's, not com- it's not something which is able to be compensated. It's not something which is compensatable. It's priceless. So the point, the goal, the role of the payment of an arbitrary payment is not for the victim, it's for the assailant, to punish the assailant. It's not like this. Let's say you have Tashlumei Tsar. Tashlumei Tsar, if it's the bigger payment, we're talking about Tsar B'Makam Reishim, right? So Tsar, the Kiddush is that even though there's a Reishim, you would have thought that Tsar, which is bigger, you're paying. And now you're paying the bigger payment of Tsar that would exempt you from Nezek. What's that Havamina? The Havamina is as follows. The Tsar is a bigger payment, so now I'm giving $1,000 for Tsar. Now, that payment is arbitrary. That's a knas. There's no hefzid, there's no repaying, there's not a monetary debt that I, the attacker, had that I'm giving you back, Mr. Victim. Based and assessed, you know what, arbitrary payment for Tsar, this is what we think you went through, this is a monetary, you know, this is a fair monetary payment for what you was incurred to you, Seder, give it to him. That's Tsar. Fine. Now, the smaller payment was $100. That $100 was a key of Mammon. That, the victim had a right to claim. You gave me this scar. That scar is valued at $100. Give me the $100. I have a monetary claim against you. You took away my flesh. That was worth $100. So now what happens? The, the attacker gives the victim $1,000. He gives him $1,000. So I could hear a svara that when you gave a payment of $1,000 to the victim, you accomplish two things with one payment. Number one is that in, in regards to the assailant, the assailant gave that $1,000. That, that punishment, that arbitrary fee which had to go from the assailant's hand to the victim's hand traveled from the assailant to the victim. That was the $1,000. That happened. That movement occurred. Now there's another fee, $100, that the victim has a right to claim, that $100 he also got. He also got the $100. $100 went to his hand. I, what are you going to claim? That, yeah, very good, the $100 went to his hand, but the $100 was part of the $1,000 which he owed him. The answer is, he didn't owe you $1,000. He didn't owe you $1,000. He had to give you $1,000. That's what an arbitrary payment is. It's Mitzan the Mazik. The Mazik has to give over. He has to hand over $1,000. It's not a chiv mamun. A chiv mamun means that the nizik, the victim, has a right to claim it. He has to receive $1,000. He doesn't have to receive $1,000. That's not the principle of an arbitrary payment. So here I could understand a havamina that the $1,000, which was an arbitrary payment, succeeded 
in going from the mazik to the nizik. That occurred. We have that on record. And the nizik also accepted the $100 which you owed him as money. The nizik saying, hey, where's my $100? You only gave me 1000 for the arbitrary payment. I'll tell you, what do you mean? Where's the $100 I owed you? I'll give you $1,000. Ah, you owed me 1000 I didn't. I had to give you 1000 and I did. That distinction, I think, is a viable havamina. To that, kamash malon. Kamash malon. That we don't say this, b'chol b'sayimana. We don't say it. So that could be a pshat rashi. So even though we're still, we have a question mark in Tisvis, we understand what he's saying. We understand that when good company with the G'dele Echerinim, that also didn't understand this point in Tisvis, we know what's clear to us, we know what's not clear to us. But at least in Rashi, what's the Havamina, that Tsar would exempt you from Tushlumay Nezek based off this assumption of the Nitziv, that Tsar B'mokam Rushem, that the Tsar is going to be bigger than the Rishem itself, that payment, and this distinction between the nature of an arbitrary payment as opposed to a monetary debt, then you can say the svar that there was a handing over of the thousand dollars, the arbitrary payment, and included within that would be the the hundred dollars you owed for the Tashlumi Nezek. So that would be two ways to go. So so far we have two opinions what it means Damim Yaserim. According to Rashi, the Khidish is we don't say the Svar Bukhomasayamana. To say that an arbitrary payment can incorporate a chiv moment as well. Whereas according to Tesfis, Dami Meseri means that a tsar that incorporates a reshem is more severe than a tsar that doesn't incorporate a reshem. Those are two ways to go. There's a third way I brought you, and Namukha Yosef brings the stance of the Ramah. The Ramah is one of the G'dayli Rishonim. The Ramah explains that if it just said, we would have thought that any time someone punches someone, yeah, or hurts, burns someone, whatever it is, there's a damage. So we would think that the way it was assessed is tit for tat, meaning if Ruvain punches Shimon, Shimon punches Ruvain. So even if the two hits weren't equal in the degree of severity, the strength, where they landed, etc., they weren't 100% equal, that would still qualify as because at the end of the day, Ruven hit Shimon and Shimon hit Ruven back. We don't ever see that the Torah cared about the severity of the hit itself. Therefore, came along the Torah and said, Chabura Tachas Chabura. What's Chabura Tachas Chabura teach us? That we're not just interested in the fact that there was a Kviya, but we're interested if there was a Chabura in the Kviya. We're interested in the result of that hit. That being said, so now, if there's a brawl, and Reuven hit Shimon, and Shimon hit Reuven, not only did he take into account the fact that hits landed, but now we also want to take account into the severity of it. Why? So that way, when we evaluate the end result of that brawl, we'll be able to calculate also, that if someone owes someone else for the damages that they cause. So in the end of the day, are three different ways to read the Gemara of the Dami Yaserim. But here it's a tremendous understanding in the nature of payments according to Rashi that the nature of a payment of an arbitrary payment of a knas as opposed to that of a chiv mamun are totally separate. The estate of a knas is money leaving the hand of the mazik whereas the estate of the payment is money going into the pocket of the nizik. Tosis, again, we have this question, what's it mean at the end of the day that Bush somehow plays a role and creeps into... And this principle of the Ramah, 
that we're not just interested in the fact that two people exchanged hits, but we're also taking into account the impact that the hit had. So, Yosef Hashem, that was the end of Tsar. Next week, we're going to start the Chiyiv of Ripui, Vesiyat HaDashmaya.